I'm Kate. I'm Sean. And I'm Lisa. And this is Watcher Harry, a podcast where three obsessive and slightly drunk friends discuss the wider Harry Potter universe. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, how we doing? Good. I just got back from Utah, so I've been driving a lot, so I'm doing good. All right. So, guys, what uh, to start off, what are we drinking tonight? Lisa, what do you got? I've got this cider rosé. I don't know what that's um, what that means. Um, is it like apple wine? Is it pink? Are you going to drink that and just like pass out? Because I feel like you've been awake for the last like, <laughs> three days. There's a 90% chance. Yeah, we drove for 14 hours yesterday because planes are still not not a thing that anybody should be yeah. on. I mean, people can be on them, I guess, but I'm not comfortable being on them. Yeah. Like, me and my one friend are vaccinated, um, so we were just like, we're ready to just step out of the state of Washington because it has been an entire year since I have left yeah. the state. Um, yeah. So we just bounced around in canyons for a week, um, but now I'm okay. I slept last night like a normal human being, so Good. I think I'll survive. <laughs> what about you guys? What are y'all drinking? Well, I am currently drinking a Magners Original Cider. Nice. Is that the same as last week? It is. I have a, I have a pack that I'm trying to get through. <laughs> there. Um, I'm drinking the Claw, and I'm embarrassed. I would um, be, yeah. It would be great. Well, I'm like, I'm doing keto right now, and you can't talk about keto without sounding like a douchebag, so I won't, but it's two carbs, so I'm drinking the Claw. And I just spilled one all over before we started, so it smells beautiful. Nice. Yeah. So guys, I actually realized um, we recorded our intro episode, uh, which is which is currently out at the same time as this episode. And through all of our introductions, we did completely forget one of the most important things about having a Harry Potter podcast, where we tell you guys what house we are, uh, which should have obviously been a part of all of our introductions. So let's start. Kate, what house, what Hogwarts house are you? 100% Gryffindor, like hero savior complex my entire life. Just like I'm smart like Hermione, but I'm brave like Hermione too. So I'm in Gryffindor and just like I've had that self-perception forever. I was like a jock in high school, so it kind of fits. Um, and the colors are warm and the people are kind and uh, Hufflepuff would be the alternative, but they're kind of like lame. So how about, how about you, Sean? I have always identified as a Slytherin, um, which everyone is always very down on, but I have always felt a deep connection to the like weird goth dramatic Slytherin <laughs> household. They're like weird dungeon uh, common room. I don't know. I would love to see some good Slytherin representation out there because we just have not gotten any. Not all Slytherins are bad. That's true. <laughs> A lot of them are just weird. Very pale. <laughs> they're very pale. <laughs> they like to be out inside. Just like under, they're just like our our house, our common room is underground, and I respect yeah. that as someone who just yeah. cannot step into the sun. Yeah, um, I love that for them. And like the bloody baron, that's hilarious. Oh, he's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Such a tortured soul he is for murdering Helen, Helena Ravenclaw. Speaking Shit. of, Lisa, who, who, what house yes. is you? I'm in Ravenclaw, so some bitterness there, I suppose, for killing the uh, namesake of my house's daughter. But, you know, here we are. But, yeah, no, I've, I've always identified with Ravenclaw. I've always been... Um, one of those people who likes to know a lot about everything or know a little bit about everything. Um, I wouldn't say I know a lot about anything, but I know a little bit about kind of everything. And I like that about Ravenclaws. I also like to kind of think that all of the weird theater kids are in Ravenclaw because... Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's clearly where I belong. I think... I think I just started to conceptualize Ravenclaw like people as this, but I feel like you have to be like hot enough to be in Ravenclaw. Like it's like a sexy, smart thing. And then otherwise you're in like Gryffindor or Hufflepuff. <laughs> <laughs> we, cl we clearly Maybe. need to have 
guests that come from Hufflepuff. We do need Hufflepuff. We need somebody uh, to like balance us out. They're great. I can't believe I said a really rude thing about them. Everyone <laughs> I know who identifies as Hufflepuff feels like so passionately about yeah. their house. Yeah, my roommate's a Hufflepuff, so. Oh, my loyal. husband's a Hufflepuff, but he doesn't actually know what that means. <laughs> That's adorable. I, I say it to him all the time. He's like, that, that means nothing to me, but thank you. So welcome to our first official full episode. We are super excited to jump into our topic today. I think this is the first topic we came up with and something that maybe catalyzed us toward making a real podcast. Um, but today we're going to be talking about and maybe mildly debating the horniest books in the Harry Potter franchise. There's a lot of sexual tension. There's a lot of weird teenage stuff going on. Um, so we want to have some fun exploring that. And as a reminder, none of our episodes are going to be child-friendly, but I would say this one probably more than many of the other ones is, is definitely going to be not safe for younger listeners. So please don't let your kids listen to this episode. Okay, and so when we say what are the horniest books in the series, we, um, we actually did not discuss this with each other beforehand, so I don't know what... Lisa and Kate are going to argue. They don't know the book that I have chosen. Um, we are arguing on behalf of an entire book as being the single horniest installment in the series. We are not working off, at, we do not agree upon a horniness rubric. We are all going on our own interpretations of what this means. So we have definitely attacked this problem from different angles. So first things first, just kind of gut check, what books, what book did you guys choose? I chose Goblet of Fire. I chose Deathly Hallows, which I'm not sure about now. <laughs> I chose Half-Blood Prince. Yeah. All right. Let's just start. Since we all picked different books, let's just start in chronological order. So I will make my argument for Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. So in thinking about why I think this is the horniest book in this series, I did, I came down to five major points that I'm going to argue. Just five major points. This just is going to be a, just a top to bottom thorough investigation. <laughs> You're going to get a very whirlwind view of our different styles of research here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> All right. So my, my first point is definitely age. So I would argue that, so Goblet of Fire is definitely the first teenage book in the series. So I think it's kind of generally understood that there is like a huge tonal shift between the first two books in the series and then four through seven. I would argue that Azkaban is kind of tonally doing its own thing. Um, it is very much a, a sort of separate entity. And maybe we'll talk about that at some point um, where it's a, it's a dark book, but they are still clearly children in it. Mm -hmm. I think Goblet of Fire is the first time that you're reading and you're like, oh, our characters are teenagers now. They are starting to have love interests, like their hormones are becoming a major part of the plot. I think when you start reading Goblet of Fire, you're like, I am reading about teenagers with teenage feelings. Right. Um, teenagers who battle the Dark Lord. Mm -hmm. And, and are really horny while they do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. It's like, it kind of like sprinkles in a little bit. It's like their pistons are just starting to fire where Harry's like, that's a girl. <laughs> That's yeah. A girl. I like that. <laughs> and I think especially if you're looking at, um, so if you're looking at like Cho Chang and the way that he is reacting to her first in uh, Prisoner of Azkaban where we're first, we first meet her and he's sort of just like, oh, and that seeker girl is like really pretty, but then yeah. it, that's it. And yeah. then in this one where he was like, oh, like I have weird feelings about Cho Chang yeah. and I don't know what right. to do with them. There is like such a huge, huge, huge tonal shift, I think, um, mm -hmm. in the way that JK writes about their feelings and the way like our characters are processing their feelings. All right, so point, point one, point one was age. All right, point two is the Vila. So in the Vila, we are introduced to <laughs> our- higher point. <laughs> I think they're probably, I would argue the only characters in the, the series that are like explicitly sexual characters, right? Mm -hmm. Like the entire point of the Vila is their sexuality. So as mm -hmm. a reminder, we are first introduced to them at the Quidditch World Cup. They're like the, the Bulgarian mascots, for lack of better words. Mm -hmm. And the way they're described um, from chapter eight, the Quidditch World Cup, quote, 
Bila were women, except they weren't, they couldn't be human. This puzzled Harry for a moment while he tried to guess what exactly they could be. What could make their skin shine moon bright like that or their white gold hair fan out behind them without wind. But then the music started and Harry stopped worrying about them not being human. In mm. fact, he stopped worrying about anything at all. When the Vila so when the Vila dance, basically it's like all of our male characters collectively lose their shit, right? So we have mm -hmm. like Harry and Ron are trying to like fling themselves out of like the Quidditch box that they're watching the match in. Teenage boys are so dumb. <laughs> I'm wondering if there's dark magic involved with Vila because of how reckless they become, and it reminds me of like the siren concept where like right. they just draw men to their deaths. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Vila's responses to, like, sexual preference, right? So, like, what of, what's going on with all the, like, little queer teenagers going on? And, like, they're not really sure, like... Wait, like, how many little kids, like, how many little kids were outed at the Quidditch World Cup? Right, because, because like, <laughs> they're, not, they're not responding to the Vila in the way that they should be, or they are responding in, to the Vila yeah. in a way that right. they... Right, you have, you have this little, like, 13-year-old witch who's like, why am I trying to hurl myself like yeah. hundreds of Why feet do down I to the ground this way? <laughs> Wait, or these like little wizards who are like I don't like why are my yeah. friends like they have to play oh cool god. like oh my god yeah they're so hot I'm gonna kill myself like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're like is there a Vila softball team because right exactly <laughs> yeah and I, I don't think and obviously we see a connection um there's an explicit connection between the Vila and uh Fleur Delacour who is introduced in this book I have a ton of problems with the way her character is written. We can get to that at some point. Yeah, that um, but she's a character who is completely defined by the way the men in the story react to her. And we're told that she is part Vila. So they are, everyone connected to the Vila is talked about in entirely sexualized tones. And I don't really think we see this with anyone else throughout the books. Like, can you guys think of another example of something that like only exists in a sexual way? I mean, goblins at Gringotts. Mm -hmm. gotta be yeah the sword yeah. of gryffindor so hot just no, like mm, the way that they describe the goblins their teeth their fingers Ooh. yeah i can't no i can't think of no. anything that's a really interesting point all right that was point two Vila. point three the yule, yule ball which is i think the single horniest chapter the the mm -hmm. chapter yule, the yule ball is that mm -hmm. horniest chapter in the entire series right like yeah. every everybody's horny everybody's horny at the yule mm -hmm. ball yeah Everyone is either like trying to fuck in a corner uh -huh. or like they're crying mm -hmm. or they're just sitting there like yearning for someone. It is like every high school dance you have ever been to. Yes. Right. So how we're, we're given our characters are that we have like Fleur and Roger Davies are just like doing whatever in a bush. Hagrid <laughs> is, is desperately trying to pour his heart out to Madame Maxime. Harry's just like creepily watching show all night and being a sad boy. Uh, and of course, we get our first introduction to Hermione and Victor Crumb as a couple. Victor Crumb, of course, also one of the hottest characters, I think, in the series. Yeah. I mean, Hermione, I don't know why, I don't even know why we had to have that conversation of like Hermione and Ron getting together. Like, Crumb. It was, he was the better choice. Come on. Crumb was the better, now as like a, an adult woman, I can see that Crumb was the superior choice. She might not be into the flashy thing. And he's I not think flashy. He's a pro Quidditch player. Yes, but he himself hates that he's famous. He is not like a flashy dude. Gotcha. He's like yeah. moody. Yeah. An artsy intellectual. <laughs> he's intellectual for sure. <laughs> and like Ron is like, Hermione, can I copy off your homework? Maybe uh I texted you this, Lisa. Hermione's like a fixer. I think she That's like true. wanted. Tom didn't need it. She's she trying to flip that it. house, you know. It's like... mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I just think the Yule Ball uh, chapter in the book is sort of where you're having all of these hormones that I talked about earlier. Like they are coming to a head at the Yule Ball. It is like the perfect mm -hmm. one chapter encapsulation of like, oh, this is a book about teenagers now. Yeah. Do you do you guys think that wizards like? wizard preteens grind like muggle preteens like just throwing it back willy-nilly and like dancing awfully remember that this is the old ball so they're what 14 uh-huh 
so like what year is it it's like 1995 <laughs> right 1994 yeah so like what was the hottest dance move I mean I don't know I was three years old in 1994 um well we but, know the uh the weird sisters played uh-huh. you know the weird right? sisters played yeah that's and not actually, grinding I, music and I think in it's the crazy. so in the in the book it's much more described as like you know, dancing like waltzes and these sort of more fuller dances. And in the movie, it is very much like, like a, a big, concert. yeah, like a concert sort sure. of thing. And I don't think the movies took into account that they were in the 90s when this happened. Oh, no, like, yeah. Their muggle clothes were not near, there were not nearly enough bucket hats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of good layering. Where was like the wizard <laughs> ska band that was playing? <laughs> I mean, seriously, one like, Everyone was wearing those like big bowling shirts under the oh <laughs> I mean, granted, it was the UK. I don't know how different. I don't know how different '90s UK fashion and music, like the scene, were then. But still, not enough bucket hats. Also, I'm really confused about dress robes. I know this has nothing to do with it. Well, I don't. I don't understand dress robes either. They're, I don't just, get they're them. the same robes, but they're like just different colors fancier fancier so i like that the movies were just like we're not doing dress robes that's stupid you're gonna wear like normal stuff tuxedos with capes essentially (laughs) and they were sexy harry looked fine okay so that was all right so those are my three points my points four and five were actually what i think were the weirder sexual moments of goblet of fire and actually the points where you're very specifically like oh jk rowling is now writing innuendos Mm -hmm. she is writing jokes because she knows that her audience is is getting older and her characters are getting older and like we're gonna start seeing sex jokes in these books in a way that like we were not even coming close to in the three books from before Mm -hmm. so we have uh the moaning myrtle bathtub scene oh which is so (laughs) i hate it i hate it in the movie i hate it in the book it's so weird so you guys remember in the chapter in the chapter the egg in the eye um harry's still trying to figure out how to like crack the code of his uh his golden egg for the the second task in the triwizard tournament mm-hmm. and cedric is like go take a bath in the prefect's bathtub and it'll you know you, yes lisa <laughs> what's the deal with the prefect bathtub oh like, that sounds I, amazing no it doesn't but also there's only one so i, I was always like bathtub. are you guys all doing this are together? you bathing together <laughs> do all the prefects get together and just like bathe together because showers are one thing bathtubs that's, that's a different ball game they need to incentivize the shitty job of students policing each other by so allowing like, them get- to bathe naked together? Yeah, you guys yes. get the orgy bathroom. Yes. <laughs> you guys get the orgy tub? Like, I'm really confused by the by the prefect bathroom because that's another horny point in and of itself. Yeah. Like, are the prefects just all fucking in the tub? You know, I never thought about that, but you're right. That is a very disturbing concept. That yeah. there, He very explicitly was like, oh, look at this one massive tub mm-hmm. with all the taps. Oh, shit. All these bubbles and stuff. <laughs> There's like six prefects, right? Wait, what is uh, four times two? two? There's two <laughs> house plus two per, per house. fifth, sixth, and year, seventh year. Okay. Oh, yeah. So there's, yeah, there's two per house per year. Yeah. Well, per fifth, fifth, fifth on. Sixth, yeah. and seventh. Fifth yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus two of the seventh year prefects are actually head boy and head girl. That's a lot of people for one big bathtub. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I, the, there's no way that they're not just like smacking into each other. Yeah, that's actually, thank you, Lisa. That's more upsetting than what my point was going to be. But thank you for bringing that up. You're welcome. Uh, So my point was that um, Harry discovers that actually Moaning Myrtle just likes to come through the pipes and hang out and watch the prefix get baths. Prefix uh, orgy, that's why wouldn't she watch? So the, the quote from the book is, have you been spying on him too, said Harry indignantly. What do you do? Sneak up here in the evenings and watch the prefix take baths. Sometimes, said Myrtle rather slyly. Ooh. That Can we is talk- Rose. Uh, Myrtle, like, first of all, her name is Moaning Myrtle. She's- huh. But I think about her sometimes. I think about her sometimes. <laughs> she, like, was she a second year when she was killed? She was young. Um- don't yeah, I'm not exactly. sure which year, but I imagine that she was just starting to experience like her sexual self 
and like maybe trying to explore it and then was killed and like now that lives on as like a characteristic of her ghost where she's just like kind of pervy and curious and not secure or I don't know um I yeah, feel bad for her <laughs> yeah because you're right she was killed right in the middle of like her sexual awakening and now yeah. all she can do is like spy on people in the bathroom <laughs> So, and then to quickly summarize, my fifth point is just this one line uh, said by Lavender Brown. <laughs> oh, Professor, look, I think I've gone an unexpected planet. Ooh, which one's that, Professor? It is Uranus, my dear, said Professor Trelawney, peering down at the chart. Can I look at Uranus too, Lavender, said oh Ron. That's and that's it. That's when you knew this was a book that was going to have sex jokes because it was about <laughs> horny teenagers. It was so good. It was such a classic joke that I think every single teenage boy in my sixth grade class said. Yeah. Like Regardless of one. reading it. Yeah. That's hilarious. Cheap. <laughs> it's like when, and that was when like the teachers try to like change the pronunciation of Uranus to Uranus. Uranus. So that it's like... <laughs> Come on, guys, what are you playing at? Like, we know you yeah. just changed the name so that teenage boys would stop going, you're right. You're right. <laughs> That's super silly. Sean, I think you really captured it. I can't imagine a hornier book than that, but I look forward to hearing the rest of our points too. It's like definitely dripping with sexual tension and like just reckless teenage hormone just, shit yeah. that they do. Yeah. Um, and so I. <laughs> I also really like that. So we all picked obviously the later ends of the book because mm -hmm. for obvious reasons, I do really like that all of us just skipped over Order of the Phoenix because even though it has all, not Order of the Phoenix, yeah, Order of the Phoenix. Wait, Kate, uh -huh. is that yours? No, I tried to do it today and I was crushed. Well, it's Couldn't. <laughs> even though it has all of the raw material to be horny, it's such a fucking bummer that like yeah. you just can't make it. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, everyone is just, who angsty there. yeah it's just no mm -mm. harry's Everyone's yelling at women no. all the time he's just yelling at women and he's like cho chang you're single now like her boyfriend died and that's your green light it's like the darkest shit ever and he like we don't need to get into it but you're right it's like really uncomfortable in that book okay so well so then my book that i did because we skipped over Order of the Phoenix, as previously discussed, um, was Half-Blood Prince. Um, mine is not nearly so neatly laid out um, in plot points. Um, I'm, I've got a lot of like questions that I'm going to just throw at you guys for a lot of it. But a lot of the reasons I think that Half-Blood Prince is definitely the horniest book in terms of just how the characters, it's like all about how the characters interact with each other right so you've got like you're introducing a bunch of new characters you're introducing or you're like bringing new old characters into the fold that like weren't really in there to kind of bring back to goblet lavender brown becomes a way bigger character in this book once ron becomes like the quidditch superstar now people are interested in him and they like want him to be around them um, and so there's like the whole Ron and Lavender thing. This is really where Harry and Ginny start to like figure out if they're like into each other. Ginny has been into Harry this whole time, but she's given up on him a long time ago because he's a stupid boy. Um, and so now she's with Dean Thomas, um, who is now boyfriend number two, which hell yeah, Ginny. So she just sees what she wants and she freaking goes for it, which is awesome. Um, and then there's Cormac McLaggen. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> right? yeah. he's so sleazy he's just like a fratty meathead douche mm -hmm. like that's all he is he's just like a one-dimensional character who hasn't tried out for Keeper. quidditch before because he keeps freaking like eating things on dares and then ending <laughs> up in the hospital wing i mean which is a classic teenage boy move but still Cormac McLaggen arguably would have been a more consistent choice of Quidditch player. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I mean, much better. Yeah, I mean, Ron was very inconsistent and just a bad Quidditch player, but yeah, you know. It was like super horny that Hermione confunded him. It was super horny that Hermione confunded yeah. him because yeah. that's when Hermione and Ron are finally starting to like, okay, like, are we going to do this? Like, what's happening? But I can't talk about it. Hermione's like finally willing to kind of be like, maybe I'm willing to talk about it. But Ron's like, 
hell no i'm 16 and i have no idea what i'm doing you're a girl <laughs> right um and it's yeah no and then it's just like the whole thing is a mess and then Ginny again is the one who really snowballs the whole ron and lavender thing because harry and ron catch Ginny making it out with dean in like a closed off corridor mm-hmm. and um harry gets mad at them for a totally different reason because he's like i feel it in my pants and i don't know what's happening <laughs> um and ron is freaking out because it's his sister and blah 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 and she screams at him she's like you're only mad because hermione is snagged snogged crumb harry snogged show but you've never gotten anything and the most action you've ever gotten is a kiss on the cheek from aunt muriel yeah and she really just like lays into him and so then the next chapter we see him making out with lavender just doing it and now that kind of brings me to a lot of the questions that i have because now i did not go to boarding school let alone british boarding school but my understanding of most boarding schools is there's booze when they can get it mm-hmm. there's lots of sex and making out when mm-hmm. they can get it now does madame pomfrey like teach a sex ed class do they have sex education Does no, they, they like don't even know how to use normal pens these kids I, are not getting like I'm any saying. kind of education like what is happening like what like you're a wizard your anatomy fundamentally still functions the same way one would assume so like is there like a wizarding birth control potion that the like boys and girls can just like mix up probably like, plan b too What's happening? Yeah, like, is there wizarding plan B? Like, is there wizarding abortion? What is happening? You know, I don't know. There's, like, of the herbalist tradition, like, an herbal abortion, and I think herbalism is, like, related to potions, so I wonder. Um, and also, I bet Fred and George, you know how they, like, told ron here's a spell to turn your rat yellow oh i bet they, they like they know what to do circulated fake spells of like you can make your dick bigger or like this will keep you safe <laughs> yes <laughs> like how many of the girls are sitting in their dormitories trying to make their boobs grow yeah like, like what like what's happening in these wizard schools like this is what i want to know and i feel like this is the first glance this book is the first glance where you really start to have those questions because they're having like these rowdy parties that they seemingly did not have before but now they do yeah um i want to speculate more about like what goes on at these parties (laughs) how many so like because okay so if we're assuming the right they're in the uk right like if we're thinking about this, so like I pulled this off of the Office of National Statistics, which <laughs> is a, a .gov UK website, right? Did your research differently, and I love. We it. did our research differently. <laughs> so in 1996, so that's the year, same year that this book is occurring. There were 40. There were about 40 teenage pregnancies for every 1,000 teens from the age 15 to 17 oh in the God. UK, right? <laughs> So now, according to the Harry Potter wiki, there are about a thousand students attending Hogwarts at any given time. So theoretically, that would mean that there's about 150 childbearing students within this age range of 15 Mm -hmm. to 17 at Hogwarts any given year. That would basically insinuate that there's going to be up to like six pregnancies a year, right? Like that's not going to happen necessarily, but there could be up to six pregnancies a year. Mm-hmm. Right. And when the Weasleys were there, like Molly was most of them. Uh-huh. Right. She definitely was. <laughs> exactly. So like, what's the deal with like sex education in the wizarding world? Like, do people just show up at St. Mungo's and they're like, like what happens and also what's the deal so like and love potions this is the first time that we've been introduced to love potions potentially Mm -hmm. being catastrophic Mm -hmm. right because you've got the whole deal with ron accidentally taking the love potions from ramilda vane Mm -hmm. and that were intended for harry but they grew in strength first of all so apparently they don't they like age they like grow in potency as they age what like love potions are outlawed at a hogwarts because they're like roofies Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like i would say so well we also 
get um, very specifically that Voldemort's mother used a love potion on on Tom Riddle. That's yeah. how, because I, th I think Carrie asked, like, did she use like Imperio and Dumbledore's like, no, I think she probably would have used a love potion. Mm -hmm. Because it's more romantic. Rufies aren't more romantic, Dumbledore. Well, the but person- it's together, man. If we're, so that's, this is really complicated because when someone, this might be even like a trigger warning worthy conversation if we're going to talk about roofies, but like they're not incapacitated. Actually, they are incapacitated. Yeah. It's like a long-term like mind control thing yes, that Ron came out of and was like, where have I been? Well, and the way they describe it with Tom Riddle is very much that like she had to, she kept feeding him love potions to yeah. like, keep him around until right, she fell under in control love with him. yeah, yeah. So she that's what's like do they have to have like a conversation and explain the dangers of like love potions and like mm. watching like that's what i'm talking about in terms of like these kids clearly have no idea what's going on yeah and who's teaching them and I agree with you, Lisa. I do think that this, the sixth book was the first book where I like really started to think about those things. Mm -hmm. All right, question, question for you guys. Is Harry Potter a virgin? I say yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, like the whole Not time. Until, no, the whole book. Oh, the whole series. No, I, think, yes. I think I think maybe. Well, yeah, I do think so. I have thoughts about Deathly Hallows, but we will talk, we'll get there. I think that even at the end of this book, I think yeah, Ginny, I think so Ginny, too. absolutely not. Ron, absolutely not. I don't think Hermione is. I, I think Harry Potter is I the one. <laughs> He's like um, the... I disagree. I think Hermione definitely is. I don't think 14-year-old Hermione had sex with like 17-year-old Crumb in... Yeah. I don't think she was romantically she was... attracted to him and that was yeah. confusing for her. I don't think so. I think, I think definitely Hermione is. Um, I think that Ron definitely not. Definitely not. Um, <laughs> He's so good. No. The, uh, he was willing to give that up immediately. Yeah. Um, which is fair. Yeah. Um, He's a Weasley. So what do you expect? <laughs> they were born to. Um, same with Ginny. Weasley. Um, you know, so. But yeah, no, I do believe that Harry is a virgin at least through the sixth book. Hmm. And okay. I do believe he, I think he completely ends. Yeah, I think he completely ends it, actually. Because my argument that I was going to make, has, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if Jenny's so, like, ready to go. I think they just didn't have time. Okay. Yeah, that's what yeah. I think as well. So I think this might be stepping on your toes a little bit, Kate. But there's that's that fine. scene in, at the borough. <gasps> don't. <laughs> <laughs> then I won't. I will bring it back there. Let's do it together. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll hold I'm on sorry. and I'll bring it up then. Um, but I have a theory there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just feel like this is the first book that really like brings a point to talk about that they are 16 and that they're like having parties and yeah. drinking and like being around each other all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, Ron and Hermione are prefects. So who knows what's happened in the prefect orgy bathtubs? Mm -hmm. Right. They've all been introduced to the bathtub. Orgy. They've all been introduced yeah. to the bathtub scenario now. So who knows what's happened in there? Um, and Harry has access to it because he's the Quidditch captain. So uh -huh. do you think it's weird for them later on to have to see Draco Malfoy and be like, we did run into you at the bathtub orgy? Right. I mean, yeah. I think so. I saw Things a Google like, search. You know? I saw a Google search of his, is Draco Malfoy a Vila? <laughs> like who multiple people must have wondered that. That's really funny because of his hair. Yeah. Oh, his silver yeah. blonde hair. So, um Lisa, I also do think if we're talking about movies for a second, I think by far Half-Blood Prince is the horniest movie in the Harry Potter series. Yeah, 100%. The whole, the whole like, scene at the uh, Slughorn party, which we haven't yes. even talked about. Uh -uh. Like, oh, wait, wait, where Cormac is, like, just, like, licking his fingers and looking yeah, directly like <laughs> at Hermione. <laughs> yeah, it's freaking disgusting. And, like, she keeps having to run away from him because he's such a creep. Yeah. And, like... It's so brutal. 
You guys yeah. remember, I'm pretty sure it was in the sixth movie. It was, it was like, a, it was a scene. It wasn't in the book. It was just for the movie. But it's like, they're at the borough. I don't know if this is like during Christmas break. I don't know if it's like right before that weird scene where the borough blows up. But Ugh, like- The worst <laughs> scene in cinematic history. Don't know why they blew that house up. But it's like <laughs> Harry and Ginny like run into each other on the steps. And oh, she ties his shoes. And Ginny's and, and like they're like whatever. They're really <laughs> close, and there's all this tension. And Ginny's like, "Oh, your shoes untied." And then she just kneels down, and you're like, "What? Like, I don't What's know what she about to do right here." Now. He can tie his own goddamn shoes. Also, this is the least sexy activity. Let me tie your shoes. But it was clearly yeah. like it was filmed in such a way that it was supposed to be like read as being sort of risque, suggestive, right? As if tying people's shoes is risky move if i didn't ask you to tie my shoes it's very risky because i'm gonna kick you in the face well we should try that with our intimate partners see how it goes mm -hmm. i'll try that <laughs> when i get one <laughs> that's maybe that's a good like opening date move lisa you should just like tie my tie your shoes, I tie your shoes? <laughs> first you untie the shoes <laughs> first thing i'll just walk up to them hi i'm lisa Oh my god. Untie their shoes, then bend down and tie them again. Right, until you meet the one and they're like, oh my god, it's just like Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, the movie version. That's your right, meet, and then we you're my Ginny. That's my meet shoe. <laughs> I love that. You know, there's definitely like a women are caretakers thing throughout the book, which like JK Rowling yeah. it makes sense. But. And the other thing I want to know is like how often is Madame Pomfrey administering STI screenings? <laughs> Oh, for the Weasley twins, constantly. Constantly. Oh I 100% agree. They fuck. They fuck. They, they I fuck. mean, <laughs> you know that the Gryffindor Quidditch team is just rife, riddled. Yeah, yeah they're swimming. <laughs> I mean, listen. Okay, so I am going to talk about the Deathly Hallows. And just a disclaimer, as soon as I, I kind of speed read the book and looked up some stuff online and it immediately became apparent to me that this book is not really horny, um, but I'll try to pull out some of the horny things that I caught. So in this book, they're all 17. And I think it's worth stating that that's kind of the age when people think they're going to marry their high school sweetheart. <laughs> and we get like kind of serious about what we're doing because we're like making decisions about where we're going in the future. And that's absolutely what these characters are doing the whole time. Um, but yeah, there's like more like relational tension and like romance dynamics developing and less sexual things, except for like kind of the tiny tender things that could be comprehended as sexual so yeah we're kind of like sean like and lisa what you were saying like starting to pull more characters in who we've seen but now they're like we're like finding out their actual place relationships are like kind of solidifying it's kind of like rounding out we're really seeing the ones we've been anticipating come to form and i totally mean ron and hermione at this point <laughs> um so I think it's like more acceptable to have sexual tension because they're 17 and they're wizard legal. And I wrote this awful <laughs> joke that, but still the thing that throbs most often is Harry's scar. Like they just <laughs> talk about that throbbing all the time, but nothing else. So good. Um, oh my God. So yeah, nothing feels sexy about their like pining. Um, like the romance is kind of fucking up their friendship dynamics. It's not a lot of fun. Um, but we definitely see Harry and Ginny figure their shit out. We see everyone figure their stuff out. Um, so with Harry and Ginny, you know, we know Ginny was in love with Harry from day one. And we're also happy that she moved on because that was a dead end for like six years. Um, and then she hooked up a lot, which is amazing. And her brothers got really upset, which I love. Um, they really like kind of shamed her in Half-Blood Prince. Like all her brothers shamed her, which is really interesting. Yeah. oh yeah the, the twins like make some sort of comment about like mm -hmm. all of her boyfriends yeah and then bill is like i hear you're pretty fast <laughs> <laughs> no. she's like holy shit yeah he's like you're moving through him kind of quick huh i hear she's like fuck no like whatever Jesus she Christ, is you guys get out of here bill's wanted to talk with his earring yeah <laughs> leather jacket yeah getting together with floor who's like 18 oh my god teaching her english 
Ew. Ooh, her English is not good. Like, I've got a bad accent. I don't know, but. So, so Harry and Ginny break up, as we know, and as a reader, I didn't care. I think I didn't really get their chemistry, um, so I look forward to going back and trying to understand it a little more, but um, when we get to Deathly Hallows, we have that, like, hot as hell scene in Ginny's room. Lisa, you want to talk about that? Yes, this is my theory as to why, this is why I, th- I think Harry for sure is a virgin throughout the book series, um, except for the stupid epilogue, which we don't talk about. But because I think in that room, Ginny was about to propose that they do it mm-hmm. before he goes, because she was like, I want to give you something before you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and, Hermione, and Harry was like, yeah, yeah, I want the thing that you're going to give me. <laughs> and then Ron like barges in. But yeah, no, I think that that is proof that Harry remains a virgin throughout the books because I yes. think that they were going to do it then and then Ron spoiled it, which it's like, okay, if you let Ron spoil it, then maybe you guys weren't ready to have sex yet. Yeah. Yeah, I agree about the virgin thing because when they kiss, Harry's like spellbound. She's like, bliss. I, I quoted it, blissful oblivion, better than fire whiskey. Yeah, so she gives him, like, a gift to remember, and I read it today, and I got goosebumps, so I'm like, maybe I want to invest more in the relationship that I don't like, but um, I thought this was really funny and sweet, and we see, like, a lot of tenderness in this book that isn't necessarily sexually charged, like, I took that as more of a romantic thing, um, which the, the romance really, I think, increases in this story, and, you know, culminates in everybody marrying each other so yeah before reading this again I didn't really buy into their relationship um but I think it's kind of cute so and definitely the other big relationship is Ron and Hermione which I think we'll have a lot to talk about if we want to do that in this episode or not but it was pretty tender Ron's like super jealous that's like his love language in this book is jealousy as we know the most healthy love language completely healthy (laughs) totally fine teaches a good lesson crumb shows up at the wedding do you remember that point of tension Mm -hmm. and hermione's like flustered and ron's just like outrageous and crumb is absolutely hotter than ron and everyone's like fawning over him everyone knows it yeah as a reader you know it you know she's made the wrong choice absolutely oh the wrong choice we need to talk about this at some point so and i I, I, I know that we, we do plan on doing a, a kind of shipping episode. As, as a huh. reader growing up, I was a, a Ron Hermione shipper, like very passionately okay. so. Yeah. Um, I think it's only as an adult going back and reading it over and being like, really? Like, you had Crumb right there? And yeah. like, Crumb kind of just like kept sticking around. Like, you were like really it for him. And you, yeah. you chose that guy, huh? Yeah. He's like good stock, you know? He's mysterious and a professional Quidditch player, but he has a hooked nose. His nose is hooked. They really yeah. emphasize that. Yeah, but they <laughs> have, like, with lots of bludgers. Yeah, but also like yeah. yeah so J.K. Rowling is really weird. She does describe people's noses a ton, um, because <laughs> like okay, yeah, he said that he is like a like Crumb is like a beaky nose or something like that. But she's also with Ron. She's always like, oh, he always has like smudges and shit on his nose, like. <laughs> So if she has to choose between two noses, at least, like, one of these noses is not consistently described as dirty. Oh, my God. She, she's an awful writer sometimes. <laughs> she's like, this is how I write class issues. <laughs> Throwing some dirt on his some, nose. Some dirt on people's faces. So awful. Or patches on their robes. Oh, like, my God. Like, oh, he's very poor, so his nose must constantly be dirty. Yes. Like, <laughs> Like he's like a like a Victorian street urchin, right? Exactly. Like he's just like a chimney sweep. <laughs> I mean, I could see him ending up in that field. Well, he doesn't have a lot of other skills chimney going for sweeping. him. Yeah, yeah. It really makes me question the or. There is absolutely no way no Ron Weasley went on. He's to a donut cop. He, at best there is <laughs> and that's the thing. there is wizarding law enforcement right so like there's like the auras are like the detectives they're like the hot shots and then there's just like regular old patrol wizards and it's like yeah. that's what ron is yeah definitely and then he leaves to go work to support george at their shop yeah he I yeah think. he's only an aura for like eight 
uh, like two years, I think, something like yeah. that. It's a very yeah. short period of time, probably because they were like, oh, we only hired you because your best friend Harry Potter. Your best friend yeah. Harry Potter, and we really needed that Expelliarmus spell. Yeah. That's and all like, we use. It's all we use now. Um, so to keep it to keep it going with Ron and Hermione, um, we see the tenderness, and they're complimenting each other, and like Ron will like throw an arm around her when there's like times to you know they're comforting each other. Like the subtlety is gone, um, and I think as the readers were like, why aren't they owning this yet? And it kind of becomes like even a little belabored. But yeah, I think the whole time around they're like will they, won't they, is really underscored by Ron's jealousy and, like, his jealousy of Harry and Hermione and, like, suspecting things when he's wearing the locket and all that stuff. Um, but I can't pass over the scene after the wedding when they're at Grimmauld Place when they're, like, holding hands, when they fall asleep holding hands. Do y'all remember that's that a, one? That's a really mm -hmm. sweet scene. To me, it's, like, a little out of place because they don't own it for, like, any of the rest of their like journey together um but it is really sweet and harry's like he literally he's like i i, I wrote it down here he's like is this it <laughs> he's like <laughs> are they together am i i'm so lonely um which is so relatable there's that and then there's like the kiss at the end which we all know the thing that prompts the kiss is ron being like we should alert the house elves so that they leave so they don't die like Dobby. And then Hermione like jumps on him and ravages him. And that's pretty horny. But overall, I think this book is, it's not fun. It's not like reading it. You're not like, I don't know. It was a lot of tension. And like the romance was like, I think JK Rowling was like sprinkling in the fun and the thing that keeps people coming back and rounding out the stories and we all wanted everyone to marry each other at the end so it made it made sense but I don't know did you guys get horny vibes from this book at all yeah I mean I feel like it's not it's more of like a like a everybody's just like longing and burning for each other kind of yeah. book oh, like so much yearning Dumbledore's yearning for Grindelwald but oh yeah we actually completely skipped over that yeah i forgot about that is that like because he's dead so his biography he like lives on well so yeah. that was that was subtextual right we didn't get confirmation of that we did not oh, get okay. well i mean we got confirmation from fucking jk but who cares what she tweets she wrote it in her like supplemental writings like dumbledore's gay and there's my representation. And people poop in <laughs> the yeah, street. I think, she, I think she said it in an interview, maybe. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, we didn't. So we didn't actually have that information in the books. But now. you like get the. You get definitely get the vibe that like Dumbledore is like. But you don't know if it's more of like um like an obsession or if it's yeah. like um like a crush or a combination of the two. Yeah. Or, like, is he obsessed with him because he's, like, intelligent and, mm -hmm. like, the first time that he's ever felt like he's, like, had an intellectual match? Because we all know that 17-year-old yeah. Dumbledore was kind of a narcissistic butthole. Um, mm -hmm. And so, like, but he's 17, so, like, you know. Um, yeah, they were described as closer than brothers, which is, like, kind of the vibe, I think, of, like, old-timey gay relationships. Old-timey gay People who wrestled a lot. They were roommates. <laughs> they were roommates. Yeah. They were like Boston roommates, I think is what that's called. Um, oh, I've never heard that. Oh, yeah, like a, like, like a Boston marriage. But yeah. It was, uh, I, I've only roommate. heard about with, with women, but yeah, it was yeah. essentially. Also yeah. only heard that with women, but I don't know. They were, they were Boston roommates. I Boston like that. Roommates. <laughs> <laughs> that's the man version. <laughs> um so should we do we need to debate the horniest book here no i think we have been the whole time <laughs> yeah because i mean goblet of fire is just recklessly horny there's like no I control just, well see now i'm agreeing i think half-blood princess you think half-blood princess <gasps> well now we need to well but Kate, you're the tiebreaker because obviously lisa and i have said what we think ours is um i mean I think Goblet of Fire is the horniest based on like all the trying to date each other and like there's a lot of girls giggling 
Oh, there's like so many traveling in packs and giggling and they're like more mature than the boys and the boys are stupid and I was trying to dance. And so I would say Goblet of Fire, but Lisa, with respect to Half-Blood Prince, there's a lot of like more mature relationships developing and a ton of making out. And we learn about like empty classrooms being a component. So there's definitely more, I would say like explicit suggestions of sex in Half-Blood Prince. Ooh, well, if they're having the sex, Mm. are they? Which Harry is not confirmed. That's canon. Harry Potter's a virgin. Well, congratulations, Shawnee. Thank you. <laughs> um, Lisa, what, what is our email again? If anyone listening would like to weigh in on whether you think that Goblet of Fire or Half-Blood Prince is the horniest book or if us, or if another one in general. Uh, yeah, our email is watcherharrypod at gmail.com spelled W-O-T-C-H-E-R Harry P-O-D at gmail.com. So let us know what you think the horniest book in the series is and whether Lisa or I win this round. Because <laughs> apparently we've just decided it's not Deathly Hallows. It's not Deathly Hallows. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's about love. <laughs> okay. But because, Kate, you're the only Gryffindor, somewhere Dumbledore's rolling in his grave like, no, Gryffindor wins. Gryffindor wins. I'm going to give you, superficially give you 500 points so you pull it out here. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Okay. So our, um, we're hoping to release episodes, I would say probably once every three weeks or so. That's the goal. So we will post about it on our social media accounts. And if you can subscribe to the podcast, you'll be able to get updates on when we release the next episode. Uh, Hopefully that'll be in a couple of weeks. Thanks everyone. Thank you. Thanks guys. Appreciate you. The Watcher Harry podcast is hosted by me, Sean Fitzpatrick, Lisa Moen, and Kate Kelleher. Our editing is done by me, Sean Fitzpatrick, and our theme music is Dance Macabre, Busy Strings by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. It's licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.